0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ubi Mia, a show about Chicago by former Chicagoans. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode is with Miss Chavant and Yuma Ray, an excellent band currently based in Washington, D.C., kind of. Mostly a touring band, and they used to live in Chicago before they were a band. So this is a very fun episode. It's really great if you're interested in touring life, because what these two people do, and their entire band is out of the ordinary and I think it's very interesting and I hope that you're interested in hearing it as well. Before we begin, I want to let you know about one show that we're going to be doing in Chicago, Illinois on May 26th. The other show that I host, You, Me, Them, Everybody Live, returns to The Hungry Brain 2319 West Belmont in Chicago, Illinois on Thursday, May 26th. It's our first show at The Hungry Brain in 18 months. The Hungry Brain closed, now it's back open and we're extremely excited to be back there. Go to com for more information about that one. Here's our interview, recorded backstage at the Kingman Island Bluegrass and Folk Festival with Miss Siobhan and Yuma Ray.
1: Yeah, we are in the woods. Yeah. You hear, the, you hear the, the tweeting and all the you know. You I can't mean, hear the tweeting. Well, not tweeting, as in you know, the sounds birds make, not like what people do on their smartphones. Do you not approve of Twitter? What? I'm currently on Twitter detox. Actually, I have I've been off for. I mean, I still have my account, but I've been off for a couple of months. And I'm a happier person when I'm not on Twitter. Who am I speaking with?
2: I'm Miss Siobhan
1: And I'm Victor Hugo. I'm Eumare.
2: How Wait, off- If you're gonna be Victor Hugo, I'm gonna be Balzac. Okay.
1: No, no, I'm I'm Yuma Ray. You're Miss Siobhan.
2: I'm Miss Siobhan.
0: <laughs> okay, and we are both at, or all three of us are at the Kingman Island Bluegrass and Folk Festival.
2: We are. Which
0: is a mouthful and much too long of a tight name for a festival.
2: But it's very accurate.
1: It's, N- that's why they booked us, because Miss Siobhan exactly.
0: and Yuma Ray
2: is
1: too long of a name. So, you know, there you go.
0: It is absolutely not accurate. You guys are a fantastic band, and I would not describe you as bluegrass or folk.
2: Well, that's true. Yeah, I guess that part's the... I was thinking more of the location. The location is accurate.
0: (laughs) We are technically on Kingman Island in Washington, D.C., that is correct. And I didn't know where you guys were from, and you've sort of been on my radar for a very long time because we were in Chicago at the same time, but I never connected the dots until my friend introduced us together before we introduced you on stage. So when were you in Chicago?
2: I lived there for seven years, and the final year was like the very, very tail end of 2010, right before there was a huge, or the right, very beginning of 2011. Yeah, no, it was, we... There was we... a huge blizzard.
1: We left the city on, on on the heels of a gigantic blizzard that actually and it was it was it was the one that froze everybody in their tracks on Lakeshore Drive. Now we I, I moved there in 2005. Miss Siobhan was there in 2003. We both left at the end of 2010, and that was that was that was the precursor to our year on the road, living living in the in the back of our Honda Element, all of our music equipment, pl- driving around the country. I think at that point we that year we did something like 125 gigs in 2011, yeah. just playing as a duo. And, uh, yeah, since then, we've we've been in and out of the area because our, our drummer, uh, Ben Tufts, lives here. The area being Washington, D.C.? Right? Yes, yes, of course.
2: Sorry. We don't live on Kingman Island.
0: Now, when you say living out of your car, you literally mean
2: lived out of your car. Yes. Now we, we've upgraded to a Sprinter van, but we live in our Sprinter van. And actually, especially now, we're... Um, we are usually residents of California when we're not on tour these days. We're, we live in Paso Robles, which is a nice wine town on, on the Central Coast. And um, we've decided that we wanted to come play a lot more as a band, and Ben's here uh, to play drums with us. So we're actually, our huge, great, thought-out, well-thought-out plan is that we're in the D.C. area for probably the rest of the year, and for now what we're doing is living in our van. How
0: often do you get a good night's sleep?
1: Oh man, we have our beds in there are really comfortable. Yeah. Now, I mean, are you saying this with your eyes rolling or are you being sincere? No, I'm very serious. Um there usually usually if we don't get a good night's sleep it's just because, you know, we're at a gig until 3 or 4 in the morning, which happens pretty frequently. But um but I mean God, I, There are times when we're on the road And I feel We feel so bad sometimes Because You know When you play a show And you, m- you meet other musicians And a lot of times They're like Oh you know We live here in town Why don't you guys come back And stay at our place You can sleep on our couch And I, I feel really bad Turning them down Because I'm like Actually man The beds that we have built in our In our van Are way more comfortable And more importantly They feel like home and so it's it's familiar and comfortable to us, so uh, to everyone out there who has or or will offer us a place to stay, we love you, please don't take it personally, probably going to sleep in our van.
2: but we might use your bathroom
1: yeah yeah we we don't have indoor plumbing in the in the van. How often do you shower
2: um well the longest that we ever went without a shower and this was horrible because we were we spent the night in the badlands in south dakota and then the next day we had a video a live video performance at white wall sessions which is a really amazing amazing show that they have in south dakota and um, when we got there, we realized that we hadn't showered in like six days. I had to wear a hat. No, it was
1: more. It was more than that. It was. I was think, it more than that? It was more like a week, a week and a half or so at that point. Oh, and it was. That's terrible. It was a week and a half of a lot of camping and really, really like hot, nasty weather.
2: However, um, we now have Planet Fitness gym memberships because they're everywhere, and I, I mean, I like going to the gym, and I like working out, and it's totally a way to stay sane on the road, but this morning, I went to the gym, and all I did was shower.
1: <laughs> yeah. Do you also have a gym membership? Oh, yeah. Do yeah. you work out? Uh, occasionally. What do you do? <laughs> um, you know, I was a bike uh, bicycle messenger when I lived in D.C., and so... I tend towards like you know more like cardio I guess I don't I can't really get down with like lifting weights too much I guess I've always seen myself as you know the the wiry svelte individual that I am but um no most of the time it's I I, you know what I do is just in an effort to you know get some physical activity that I would normally get were I not driving a van six seven hours a day sometimes how many miles is on your van
2: it's close to two hundred thousand. Because actually, we're at, at one hundred
0: and seventy thousand yeah. right now. What did, Our, When you bought it, what was it at?
2: Like forty, 40 something, forty-five. 45?
0: So you put on about one hundred fifty thousand miles in. Yeah,
2: yeah. And then we were in the Element, the Honda Element, the first year and a half, pretty much, and that just rolled over two hundred.
0: Okay. Uh, number one, let's go back a little bit. Wh- I, don't, I just want to ask why, but that's never any. How did you two meet? Let's start with that.
2: Okay. Uh, we you... actually we met here in D.C. at a at a hip hop show, nope. at a club that doesn't exist anymore, and it was 1999. We had friends in common, what, and who was playing?
1: Oh well, see, th- uh, there was a, this used to be this place over on uh, it was like 20th and Pennsylvania, um, and they would get like randomly really big name hip hop acts like um, S- Smith and Wesson, the Coco Brothers played played a show, and. I think you and I I was supposed to go to a, like a warehouse party in Baltimore it ended up getting so over overly publicized that like we couldn't get in so me and uh and and harry and artemis came down and and bas- sorry sorry stop you know a person named artemis our a- okay, okay. yes his name is artemis he's from he's from memphis tennessee and uh he's he's a really talented rapper actually but um our, and my my friend harry dixon who actually goes by goes by harry hotter his local dj and uh yes his parents gave him that name and he loves them every day for it um they, uh, we, we were going to this, to this warehouse party in Baltimore. Instead, we, we ended up going to this hip-hop show because we, we couldn't get into the one in Baltimore. And, and at that show, there was this sort of, like, like all of our friends kind of crowded around. And were like, hey, this, this is... And they introduced us. Like, how do you two not know each other already?
2: Well, and I was with our friend Errol. And later on, when we got together, he was just like, I knew it. I knew it. I introduced you.
1: <laughs> Actually, I think what he said
0: was, uh, You're welcome. So that was in 1999. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you weren't in Chicago at the same time. You got there in 2003.
2: Yeah. Yes, I got there in 2003, and I knew. Um, I knew later that Chris had moved there. I actually I was married, um, and then several years later I was going through a divorce, and I got a MySpace. This is yeah. how long ago to tell
1: you what year it was. Um, this yeah, this is close to the end of 2008. I, I had a band that I was playing in in Chicago where I was. Desperately trying to get people to come out, so it was it was a really crappy night. It was like a What sub- was the name of your band? Oh, they were called the Streeters, and it and was. It was a, Subterranean. Yeah, there's a there's a venue in Chicago called Subterranean, and we got a show there on a Sunday night, and it was a Sunday night in December. It was snowy, horrible, horrible evening. But it's, you, you want to do really well with your first gig at a show because you want to be able to show them that you can bring people out, so maybe you'll get asked back. And and so I'm desperately emailing, calling, sending MySpace invites to everybody that I know, and about ten people showed up. Which was more than the other bands brought out. And were you
0: playing the upstairs or the downstairs?
1: And subterranean.
0: Yes. Oh, I was upstairs. Yeah. So that's a room that holds full what four hundred people, maybe. Well,
1: it's hard to tell because it has those balconies. Exactly. Those two balconies yeah. that go up. I think there's
0: like a hundred up there and maybe three hundred on the floor. I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. Maybe
2: there were not that many. people No. There
0: that ten people. Definitely
1: Does not, not no, feel I, like a lot. I ten people I, downstairs does not feel like a lot. I think I brought out like ten or fifteen people, and the other bands brought out like a, a few. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, so so um I, I I'm. I, at the time, I was working next door, next door at Estelle's. Not that night. I was not working that night. But I, So me and my band members went over. We had a drink at Estelle's. And then we came back into Subterranean. And, and, uh, and you were, you were uh, paying the... I was,
2: the, just, yeah. I was were, just walking in. And you I were saw paying the cover. just walk in.
1: Yeah, you were paying the cover. And I was like, oh, hey, it's good to see you. Where's your husband? And, uh, yeah, we're separated. I was like, oh, that's terrible. I think...
2: It wasn't terrible. It was a good thing.
0: No divorce ends. It's a Louisa K. bit, but no divorce ever ends like it's, they're supposed to happen. That's why they're yeah. divorces. Yeah, so I it's fine. So. Anyways, so you're in this band that 10 people draw. Fine, res- not respectable, but you're trying. It's, <laughs> hey, I've been in way worse situations than trying. Oh. In bands in Chicago. It's yeah. very difficult to pull. You didn't have it. This no, band no. has it. You guys got together as friends slash acquaintances, whatever, in two thousand eight. When did the music start together? A couple of weeks later, actually. A couple of weeks later. Yeah, okay.
1: Well, she had a bunch of songs that um that she we actually the, the way that this started is she was playing in a band as well, uh and and we had uh, we each had a few songs but like I don't think either of these like these songs that we've got really fits with the bands we're currently playing with so. We started working on stuff together, and it, it rapidly became apparent. I mean, no, nothing to nothing to our former bandmates, you know, that that, that like we love playing with with those folks, but it became apparent that these. Let me songs, be devil's advocate here. Yeah. they
0: don't care. It's fine. If they <laughs> would, if they were offended at all, they would not be listening to this. Number one, number two.
1: You exist without them you, right those bands broke up for a reason.: Well we felt we felt that, um, that doing that doing this music as we did was uh, was going to be the way that the two of us could, could get on the road and play as much as we could. But you know doing yeah. this yet yeah, doing this is like it's you know it, it, it's you got to sacrifice being comfortable and I mean we've we had a lot of help from friends and family along the way, but even on our best day we're still driving a lot of hours, sleeping in a van, unloading and unloading heavy equipment, working on a really irregular schedule and I mean we love it, but it's, it's not for everybody. And so this is the. We both decided, hey, we could do this and make this sacrifice together, and yeah.
0: Clearly, this is your job. <laughs>
1: Clearly.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's our job.
1: Now, when you were in Chicago, you were you were working at Estelle's. I was, which I've, is a four AM bar. Yeah, I was. I was a. Uh, uh, I started off as a barback, and I ended up uh, bartending and, and managing there, and I was pretty much married to that job. It was a very demanding, uh, very demanding employer. Um, and I, I was there five, six, sometimes seven nights a week.
0: Estelle's has two things going for it. Number one, amazing nightly specials where you can get like $2 Guinness. I don't uh-huh. know if that's still the Oh, tr- no, they, just, they, still do, they still do the $2 Tuesdays. So. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was probably there at the same time as you. And number no. two, there are 4 a 4 a.m. bar slash 5 a.m. bar on Saturday nights at Six Corners. Yeah. I've seen fights, multiple fights. I've seen blood in the street, literally.
1: Yeah. Clean, from
0: the inside of Estelle's. I cleaned that up once. Now. You still drink alcohol. You're currently drinking an Atlas rowdy. That's not a plug. We're it's just, a, good it's one. a truth. It's a good one. Now, you still drink alcohol. That didn't turn you off from
1: that culture. No, I, you know, here's here's the funny story. Before working at Estelle's, I actually worked right down the street at a bicycle shop that is no longer there called Rapid Transit on North Avenue. They closed uh, just recently, just a few months ago. I used to work at Quimby's Caddy right like next right door. Yeah, and uh, and so so I, I worked at Rapid Transit for about three years. I. And, I, and I, I don't feel bad admitting this in public because the, the establishment is no longer there, but I drank more working there than I ever did working at a 4 a.m. bar.
0: True, but I'm assuming you didn't see as many fights. I'm assuming you didn't see... Some people that maybe shouldn't have gone home with some other people. I'm sure you've seen less bad decisions
2: <laughs> My at the bicycle favorite start. thing at Estelle's was that there's a huge mirror behind the bar. There is. So I would go sit at the bar while he was working, like, just hang out for a little while before I went home. And I would watch in the mirror, like, when it got late. And I couldn't hear people's conversations, but I could see their gestures would become exaggerated in exactly the same way as someone in a job interview. And I, that was so much fun to watch because it was people who were trying to convince people other people to go home with were, them. They
1: were auditioning for sex, yeah. and it was a really animated audition. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so fun.
2: <laughs> and so I would like think about what I thought they were saying, and then sometimes in my mind I would replace it as if they were actually in a job interview. Which Have you written that really song funny. yet? No. No, but that's a, oh, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, I'm really
0: smart. What were you doing in Chicago <laughs> before you decided to live slash work out of a van?
2: I was... by the way I'm
0: not that's not like oh you shouldn't be doing this I'm hoity-toity <laughs> I think it's ballsy as hell and if you found a partner that's willing to do it with you more power to you just because it's not for me doesn't mean it's amazing for you guys I, I literally I have to stop using literally here's my issue with literally I'm keeping this in the show <laughs> most people use it incorrectly so now I'm trying to use it
1: only when it's apt.
0: Mm-hmm. But now I'm using it too often and it's just reminding me how often people use it incorrectly.
1: Yeah you're using the correct it is the correct usage of the word. It's just you've you found because you feel like you need to like put more correct usages of the word out there that your own personal usage of it is like going way up. It's,
2: well,
0: it's such a stupid cycle.
2: I've actually I've read articles arguing that you can use the word literally in a figurative sort of sense, which to me sounds more like if like you ran into your doppelganger and like the world exploded.
0: I understand that analogy. I don't agree because the world won't explode, number one. <laughs> number two, that's what it's trending towards. I'm sure in the next five years Miriam Monsters will have a, a like third definition of literally meaning figuratively. Uh. <laughs> Anyways, what were you doing in Chicago?
2: I was playing in a band called In Miniature and I'm
0: ninety percent sure you've played one of my shows.
2: Really? Yeah. Maybe. Um impossible. I've only
0: you've only probably played a thousand shows since then.
2: It was a Mathematically long time ago possible But
0: you played a thousand shows Four or five hundred But you know. yeah Okay And besides it, How were you paying rent?
2: I was um, the program director At an organization Called Rock for Kids which, which is so cool Which is now called Foundations of Music Why did they change it? They changed it because the fo- the music focus was tending um, away from rock classes, and so the name was kind of confusing
0: for people. But the f- but rock for kids and this is about you, not that. I no, apologize. No, that's okay. It just seems like rock for kids is such an easy thing to remember. It's all single syllables. It's not foundation. In the t- foundation means like you're going to build something. And I don't right. Like, and I understand that. I understand that's probably a better word to use for what you're doing with the children, but it's not catchy.
1: You also have to consider it's- that when you're in the nonprofit world and you're trying to acquire uh funding through through yeah, grants the foundation is. The, yeah. well okay. because
2: the audience is regular people on the street and it's also a lot of the where you're getting your money is from like big foundations now right he forward, mentioned so.
0: grants and you mentioned grants earlier yeah we were not recording what did you do with grants
2: i well i was a grant writer and i'm still a grant writer and a consultant um, but i also was the program director there and i developed their um their in school music program
0: now it seems like a grant writer position would be a fantastic asset for any artist.
2: It is, except here's the really weird thing: it's easier to write about other people than it is to write about yourself.
0: Got it. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. It's.
2: I think I've I've definitely used a lot of skills that I got from that job, sure. um, just like organizational and writing skills. But at the same time, I almost always really like to defer at least to somebody outside of us at least reading it over and anything or any kind of like press stuff because it's just you tend to like assume that people know what you've already internalized about yourself sure and it's really difficult to get around that
0: well that relates back to you guys when you present yourself how do you present yourself when people ask you where you're from what do you say
2: that, okay, our first record was called We're From Here because we got that question so much, and Chris grew up internationally.
1: Yeah, you, the, the, where, where we're from is a little complex, and so usually what we tell people now is that we live in California when we're not on the road, our drummer lives in Washington, D.C. when we're not on the road, but we try to be on the road as much as we can, and as far as people asking, uh, you know, going, usually the question you get is where you're from, what do you sound like? And when we tell people what do we what we sound like, we tell them that we have a lot of a lot of like um, folk and classic rock influences that we play original music, and uh, it's it's big rock and roll. Big rock and roll
0: is a good way to describe you guys. Um, yeah, I like big rock and roll. That makes I'm trying I'm thinking about the set. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But big rock and roll, anyways. That's. Does where you're from mean anything to you? Do you care about it at all?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I think that, like you said, traveling like this isn't for everyone. And I feel like the fact that both of us moved around a lot and have lived in a lot of places makes us a lot more able to slip into that role pretty easily. Um and, and then like I, I was born in Arkansas and and a lot of my family was very musical. My mom plays Mountain Dulcimer and auto harp and, and That's guitar so cool. and like we'd sang like we did like folk performances when I was a kid. Like I sang high harmony kind of stuff. Like we did like Carter family kind of stuff like so that. So your
1: mom is like probably cool with at least the oh yeah actually
2: all of our parents have been super cool and super supportive yeah
1: you know when when i when i actually when i actually told my parents it's like okay look i have this like stable job where i actually had the opportunity to like sort of buy into the organization the next time that they go and open a new bar you know i could hopefully get like sort of a sweat equity and and like helping to like expand the organization and I, was, I was looking at it' it's like wow i could do this for the rest of my life i could get a get an uh, apartment and a, and a dog and we could be like you know, it, we would basically have like a stable life. So, you know, I told my folks, "Hey, here I am at you know ripe old age of, at the time I think I was 34 or 35." Anyway, I I I, uh, I told them what I what our plans were, and I was expecting the like, "Are you out of your fucking mind?" But instead, what I got was like, "Wow, that's that's really amazing." I say, "You go for it," and my, and, and it was followed up with like, "And it makes at least as much sense as being an investment banker these days." So, as far as job security. Yeah. Now, do either of you have children?
2: No, we don't. We have a dog now, though, that we got at the end of our last tour, which... We were—we played a show in Bisbee, Arizona, and then we drove to Phoenix to see some friends, and then we drove... To a hotel that was kind of in the middle of nowhere in Tonopah, Arizona. There's nothing in Tonopah, Arizona. It's
1: in the middle of the Mojave. The closest thing is a nuclear power plant, and that's where like the couple, I think, thousand people that actually live in this town all work, is at this nuclear power plant.
2: And there's one hotel, so yeah. we we paid like we paid with a credit card over the phone, and we got there at about ten, and there was no one there, and we couldn't get in, and it was like it's it's like the Phoenix area, so it was like so hot, and we were like, what are we gonna do? So we we're like, well, let's just drink some beers in the parking lot, and the I'll figure it out. So Chris went to take.
1: <laughs> I went to go take a leak behind the building, and, and as I'm doing this, I hear barking and these little like pointy ears like stick up. And my, my initial thought is like, oh, holy crap, pack of wild dogs. So I come running back into the van, jump in, pull the door shut. Like, no, we gotta go park on the other side, the wild dogs. And then, then everybody else gets out of the van goes over and looks and there's this one dog tied up and they're like it's not a pack of dogs and I don't think she's wild it's just this one dog here and so the next the next morning we, fin- we, we finally we finally
2: did get in yeah
1: we finally managed to rouse the two guys that the hotel
2: that were, was being run by two drunks who were living at the hotel and they were passed out in a room together because they've
1: been watching a even watching a movie or something and they passed out drinking beer the two
2: guys one was like huge and had like a beer gut and was like older and the other guy had like stringy hair and he had an eye patch that was made out of like wood paneling like like the old like 90s Calvin Klein ad wood paneling like, yeah, that was like his idea yeah, like
1: wood paneling from a trailer home like he had cut it out with like a jigsaw or something and then and then poked some holes and tied it around his head with a shoestring and yeah
2: so, so the next morning I went to play I was like I'm going to go look at the dog and it was this puppy and she was just on a tether and she was underweight and she was really sweet and all of a sudden eye patch guy was like right behind me and he's like do you want her we don't want her so i was like oh God, are, really? So I had to like go over and tell Ben and Chris and I was like the dog, like they don't want her. And
1: we ended up driving, driving to LA, playing the remainder of shows that we had, and we dropped our drummer off at the airport, and then we drove right back to the desert. A couple It was days on your birthday. I Got her? Yeah, it was on September 29th of last year. So that, so this puppy ended up being my birthday present. But and yeah, she's, she's great. She does really well in the van. We didn't bring her along today because we, we weren't gonna have enough time to spend with her. So we, we boarded her at this place up near Frederick. But, uh, but normally we've, we've got the dog in the van with us the whole time and it, it's actually been a morale booster and it also gives us stuff to do when, when you, know, you show up to a show and you're ready to load in and it's still four hours before sound check. You can go play with the dog, walk around the block, yeah, go to a dog so you don't park. don't
2: drink too much. What's the dog's yeah. name? Her, Her name is, is Arrow.
0: Do you have any message should anyone know anything about Eero? Any she's, final thoughts about Eero? She's an
2: Australian Kelpie, which we had no idea what that was, except somebody she's came up kind to of
1: us. A, she's kind of a little shit, because she's really smart. <laughs> she's really
2: smart. Yeah. And, and she totally has our number, that's the problem. Yeah. But she, uh, we were at a, a restaurant, and somebody came up and said, oh, you have an Australian Kelpie. And we were like, we don't really know what you're talking about. And <laughs> then we looked it up, and we were like, oh, that's exactly what she yeah, is. If
1: yeah, you, if you do like an image search and uh, for, for Australian Kelpie, the first picture that comes up, that's what our dog looks like.
0: If you would like more information about Miss and Yuma go to M i s s s h e v a u g h n y u m a w r a y M-I-S-S-S-H-E-V-A-U-G-H-N-Y-U-M-A-W-R-A-Y.com. There is no way you just type that out. There is a link to their website in the show description. So, just look at that. That's much easier. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, we are at sign Ubi pod. We're on Facebook. Just put ubiestmia in the little Facebook thing and you'll find us. Once again, we'll be at The Hungry Brain for You, Me, Them, Everybody Live on Thursday, May 26th. Please come to that. Both of our songs were done by Daniel Knox and our art is by Dmitry Samaroff. Thanks for listening and have a wonderful night.